a very special episode today with the Super Bowl coming on up. So we're going to start over because I completely skipped over a line. So <laughs> rewind. <laughs> you got to clap. You got to clap. Uh, yeah, clap. <laughs> All right. Got the intro. 30 seconds in. <laughs> yep. Welcome back to a very special episode of the Hollywood Video Guys Podcast. I'm your host, Randy, along with our co-hosts, Don and Michael. How are you doing today? Doing great. <laughs> we, due, to, due to weather, we have been displaced from a central location and we are recording via Skype. <laughs> yeah, Unfortunately, someone, I'm, I'm not naming names, someone forgot to get our media credentials in for the Super Bowl, so here we are. Yeah. This is our first uh, Skype sesh uh, recording, so we're hoping it goes okay. I think it'll be fine. It's yeah. a new adventure. It's new waters. It'll be fine. It's exciting. Very exciting. And also very exciting, this week is Super Bowl week. And if you're a 49ers fan like me, it's an yes. extremely exciting week. So tell me, Mike, how are you feeling about the upcoming Super Bowl? Uh, nervous. I Like, uh, the last game that we had the last Super Bowl we had against the Chiefs I wasn't nearly as nervous because we were new and this is all kind of new and it's just kind of nice to be back but now I'm like legitimately nervous because uh I love this team and I really want them to win and I'll be I'll be very bummed if they don't win I'll be very like very very bummed because I I think they're good enough and uh yeah just in general I think that they they're the better team but we don't rise to the occasion all the time and that could be our detriment yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be a good game. I, I do think we will win. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes is probably the best to ever do it. And then, um, Don, how about your stirring football analysis? Do you have any uh, picks on this game here? Oh, I'm really glad you asked me, Randy, because I actually couldn't care less about the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> What's your prediction? You? For no. <laughs> for me, I'm, I, well, I have to root for the 49ers because they're technically the local team, right? Like, I can't root for the, the Chiefs because I also, I, I, of the couldn't care less scale, I couldn't care less less of the Chiefs. So <laughs> I think by go. default, I have to say 49ers. But, you know, Sick. for me, it's I do appreciate the fandom. I'm just, football is not my thing. So the Excited. Niners have Don's official stamp of approval my official of, stamp of approval. couldn't care less, but not couldn't care less less. Yes. yes. So, All exactly. right. And, and breaking news. Patrick Willis just got named to the Hall of Fame, so another reason. Oh, why. did he really? Yeah, he finally just now. made. Wait, did he get to? Um, did they cut it down, or did they actually officially announce the whole? Officially Hall of Fame? announced it today, just now, like nine minutes ago. Yeah. That dude might have been the best there ever was at his position. Freaking Turco ended his career. Don would agree too. Yeah, I would, I would. especially if he's in the same realm as uh, Steve Mongo McMichael, which I heard is up for the Hall of Fame as well. <laughs> it's close. Uh, w- no, not quite. It's him and uh, Green and <laughs> Kevin Green. Kevin Green, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, WCW. <laughs> and then on the WWF side, there's uh, Lawrence Taylor, of course. Lawrence Taylor, I know him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big guy. Featured in yeah. one of the movies we'll be talking. Two of the yes, movies yes, we'll yes, be talking. That's right. About what am I thinking? Wow. Yep. <laughs> so speaking yeah, of that, this that. week's episode, in spirit of the Super Bowl. We decided we wanted to talk about football movies. Uh, do any of you remember what the first football movie you saw was? Uh, um, I do. Yeah. 
Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I do. The first uh, football movie I ever saw was the movie Heaven Can Wait. Which, I heard uh, of that one. <laughs> um, oh, gosh, I can't remember who the name of the actor is who plays the main character in it. It's um, um God, Warren Beatty. My yeah, Warren Beatty. You're 100. Yeah, right. I never saw um, it, but I do remember that. So it's Warren Beatty, and he plays the quarterback for the L.A. Rams at the time, and he dies in the movie. Spoiler alert! And he comes back in another person's body because um, he's like, I don't know, he got mixed up on the way to heaven. I, I don't really know how it works, but anyody gets wasn't he not supposed body. to die or something? Yeah, yeah, he died in a freak accident. Because it's basically like left. that Chris Rock one that they made it's years later. Awesome. Yeah, that's the remake. So they put him in a different body and let him live the rest of life that way. But he wants to be the quarterback for the Rams. So he goes and tries out to be the quarterback for the Rams. And I think he's older. I think he's supposed to be like like 50 or 60 in the movie. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it was definitely the first one I've ever seen. First one for me, Randall. Uh, it's really hard. I don't really remember, but the, the one I vividly remember is Little Giants, which we talked about <laughs> on a previous podcast. Or actually, our last sports episode that we, we talked about. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember much because really the reason I saw that is because my dad liked uh, Mary with Children <laughs> and had Ed O'Neill and Rick Moranis. So that was really the combo that was enough for me to get me to get me to watch it. So I really liked it. That was probably the earliest memory I have for football movies. I don't remember my first serious that, one. That might have been the first football movie I saw in theaters. I did not see it. That was rented at the warehouse. A, yeah, I wanted to see it because, yeah, like you said, it had Al Bundy and it had Rick Moranis of <laughs> Honey, I Shrunk the Kids fame. In Parenthood, which I watched a ton growing up. Uh, to tell you the truth, I don't really remember. I couldn't tell you what the first one I saw was. It could have been Rudy, but there was probably something something else. I think that when we were growing up, I remember baseball movies more distinctly because it just seemed like there was more of them. <clears throat> That's and, usually, and usually football movies weren't really like football movies. They just may have had like a scenes of football here and there, so I couldn't tell you. But I'll probably say Rudy... Yeah, I'm anyway. with you. He's great. Mm -hmm. So this week we each picked our favorite football movie, and we're here to talk about all of them. So if we're going to go in order of release, I believe, Don, that makes you up first. Would you please introduce your movie? Bobby! Water sucks. Gatorade is better. Right. Use it on the field. Gatorade not only quenches your thirst better, it tastes better too, idiot. You're, you're, you're drinking the wrong water. Gatorade. H2O. Gatorade. H2O. Sucks. It really, really sucks. Water sucks. It really, really sucks. Oh man, so the movie I chose, perhaps unsurprisingly to you two, is The Waterboy, a 1998 Adam Sandler movie, also featuring Henry Winkler and Kathy Bates. Uh, this movie is about Baba Boucher, who is a football <laughs> <laughs> water boy for the Mud Dogs, Louisiana Mud Dogs. And uh, 
he just he's like a calm guy. He's like a mom's boy. And they find and uh, he's trying to get be a part of the team. And they're always just like hazing him and, you know, making fun of him. And then one time someone speaks ill of water and that really offended him. And all of a sudden, Bob Boucher is like this amazing tackler. He just <laughs> runs the people like a train. So this whole movie is absolutely ridiculous from beginning to the end. It's all about how they're, you know, Bobby Boucher is like sort of like the ringer who's carrying this whole team to the championships after a complete losing streak. And Henry Winkler plays a coach who's basically lost his luster and has no sense of being a great coach ever again because he got his playbook stolen. And this movie's just, it's just nonsense. But it's genuinely one of my favorite movies (laughs) because of how stupid it is. Yeah, I love it. To uh, clarify, too, it's not just LSU. It's actually Southern Creole Louisiana State University. That's right. SCLSU Mud Dogs. Yes, you're right. <laughs> yeah, they never clarify, like, what division of football this is. It has to be Division One because they play – they go to a bowl game and they play Louisiana. But it's a Bourbon Bowl. Yeah, and they play Louisiana University. I mean, maybe it's Division Two, but I doubt it. I would say it's probably Division One. Yeah, I think for a movie like that, though, it didn't really matter anyway, because, you know, even back then, I was like 13 years old. I wouldn't have known what Division One was anyway. Yeah. It had, it had everything I personally needed from a stupid, funny comedy movie. Plus, Am Sandler was probably at his peak here, because he had Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, and then I think this. I don't know what else was out with him at the time. The Wedding time. Singer. Wedding Singer. Mm-hmm. So he already had, like, a string of hits. So this was just another one under his belt. This is my grandfather's, and 99 years old, uh, his, his favorite football movie. And his favorite Adam Sandler movie. Like, you put this on, and he'll just, from beginning to end, he's laughing his ass off. Yeah, my dad loves this movie, too. Uh, I think the listeners would love to hear what your grandfather's favorite movie is. Oh, Baby's Day Out. <laughs> That's a classic. I would actually really like to cover that, just revisit it, because I did watch Dude. a lot of that back then. I don't know how good it is now. I'm sure not great, but it was oh, great man. when I was I, I watched it with him recently, and it's... It's not great. I mean, slapstick all the whole time, and it's kind of off the rails. Not to go too far off the rails with this whole thing, but uh, it is ridiculous. But it's so funny because he's loved that movie ever since that I can remember. Since that movie's been out, he's loved that movie. Yeah, classic. <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't leave that unsaid. <laughs> so back to the water boy. Um, I remember I saw this in theaters, and I remember like one of the most exciting things about it was that I believe it had the episode one trailer before it oh, so I, that, yeah it might have been that think, time yep nice. uh, so and i as you said adam sandler had a, a string of hits like i really loved billy madison happy gilmore and the wedding singer the wedding singer is one of my favorite movies <clears throat> um so seeing this it, it had a lot of what i liked you know it had a lot of dumb adam sandler humor it had a great cameo from paul white the giant Yes, yeah. Captain Insano, <laughs> as, as a teenager watching that as a wrestling fan, it was just so great to see him and hearing yeah. him laugh like that. Just yeah. one of the funniest, heartiest laughs you can imagine. He, he punks out Bobby Boucher because Bobby Boucher calls in to this wrestling hotline while Captain Insano's on screen. And uh, it's Chris Farley's brother who's his uh, who's the interviewer. That's so right. Bob Boucher is looking for a job to be Captain Insano's water boy. So he starts, you know, trying to make his pitch to Captain Insano. Captain Insano assumes that this is like a seven-year-old boy talking to him. And Bob Boucher's <laughs> like, no, no, I'm 30 years old. And then he just starts laughing uncontrollably at him. Yeah. <laughs> like really, really hard. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so like mean. That's early in the movie. Like that already made me laugh, lose it like when I was a kid. It was so freaking funny. And by this time, Adam Sandler could do no wrong by my eyes, you know? Yeah, I'm with you. It's so, That part is so funny. I loved also that 
how much he loved Captain Insano, the water boy. He just like was in love with the, like he thought it was the best ever. He's like, uh, who's your favorite wrestler? Well, up until a few weeks ago, Captain <laughs> 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 Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and um and Henry Winkler, uh, he plays the iconic uh coach Klein who you know, is down on his luck because he just wasn't what he was. Like his his glory was basically stripped from him. And Henry Winkler, I knew him as Fonzie because I would watch Nick and Night with my parents a lot, and I knew him from Happy Days. Mm-hmm. So I'd never seen him in a role that wasn't Fonz, where you know the, the Fonz is the Fonz. He's like the most cool guy you can imagine. And then you have Henry Winkler in here as Coach Klein, who's just like this guy who can't keep you know make maintain eye contact or anything. Like he's just miserable. But Henry Winkler is hilarious in this movie. He's amazing. He's like one of my favorite parts. His first scene is incredible, where he's like, he's going to fake to the left. No, he fakes to the right. No, he fakes about faking. He pretends to fake. <laughs> I don't know where I am. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then, like, he life? sits on the football. Like, he has a yeah. football he's, like, in his hand, and he just, like, sits on it on a bench and oh, stares forward God. blankly. So funny. God, I love that scene. It's so funny. Uh, Also another great character As she always is in anything she's in Kathy Bates playing the very Overprotective mother of Bobby Boucher (laughs) Yeah (laughs) Just You go ahead I was going to say Kathy Bates is one of my favorite actresses Especially because of I mean partially this movie But even more so with Misery That's one of my favorite movies ever So seeing her in here again like playing like She's still kind of that psychotic character from Misery But she's like supposed to be endearing and loving Because she's a mother but yeah, yeah it, that's another like she's one of the most memorable people in this whole movie too. She has one of her best lines in the because it's not really a scene; it's just a line. Is when they're gonna have the snake and Coach and uh, Coach Klein goes, "What part of the snake would you say we're eating?" And she's like, "Well, snakes don't really have pots, but if I was gonna say anything, I'd say we're eating the knee." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he asks what's for dessert, and the bug zapper goes off, and you hear yeah. like something squeal, and she says, "Squirrel." <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was so funny. She's great. She's and everything's the devil to her. Anything that she doesn't like is the devil, which is amazing. He's like, uh, "Was it like who and?" Who invented electricity or whatever? Thomas said it or what? Ben Franklin invented electricity. I invented electricity. (laughs) Ben Franklin's the devil. (laughs) Yeah, which also ties in later in the movie when he's trying to pass his exam, and that's the way he remembers, you know, how how certain questions or certain answers is because he would remember what his mom would say and what he would say, and he realized what he was saying was right. It was almost like when uh, in Happy Gilmore when he's going to his happy place again, like he's memorizing like his grandma on that, and in here it's like his mom. You know, telling him <laughs> everything's the devil. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Who played right. his uh, girlfriend? Or that was Faruza Balk. Yeah. yeah. She was in the She's crowd. Vicky Valancourt. Vicky Valancourt. <laughs> Who was more of the devil than anyone, according to his mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Highly disapproving of her. Yeah. And she, I mean, to be fair, she, she isn't like the greatest person like she's like stealing people's cars yeah no she's a criminal she's trying to hotwire cars and she just got out of jail and she's basically everything what bobby boucher's mama is trying to warn him about yeah yeah but she's also like one of the only people that's good to bobby yeah cares about him until coach klein and like maybe the the kicker yeah (laughs) like those are like the only two other people that were actually just good decent to him without him doing anything in turn Wallace, I just remember uh, his name Wallace, but he was he was great too. Derek, Derek. yeah, 
Derek Wallace, yeah. Derek Wallace, yeah. Derek Wallace, good to see you. <laughs> also, one character I think we had touched on, of course, is uh, former Fran. Oh, God. Fran is Blake Clark, who played uh, Sean's dad in Boy Meets World. And he's in there a bunch of stuff, too, but I think he's most memorable. I think he was in Home Improvement before, like in a couple episodes. Uh, yeah. But he's former Fran, who's just like, he has this really thick Cajun accent, but it's just gibberish, yet he's still trying to convey a message to it. You can kind of pick out, but not really. <laughs> and somehow they act like they understand him totally fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. fine. Yeah. There is only one thing he said in the whole movie where I think I know what he was saying. <laughs> That's how thick that accent is. We live <laughs> in our, on our day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Live the fight another day is like the only <laughs> thing I could pick out from yeah. what he was trying to say. Well, he's like yelling at uh, Wallace, like to run. He's just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got overalls and no shirt on. He's got pistols. That was after. after his... <laughs> no, but the best part about that was that was after Coach Klein was saying, "Offense with me, defense with me, special teams take a left," and it was only the kicker. So he's like, yeah. oh, "Shit." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, uh, so we we didn't really go in deep on as to like the central premise of the movie he essentially uses all of the negativity and all the times he's been made fun of throughout his entire life and he just visualizes whoever has the ball as the person saying it and just becomes like a man possessed who's like squealing like sounds like a wild boar is coming at you almost the way he <laughs> the way he's like mm-hmm. yeah it's like yeah. a charge it's, it sounds like a charge he just runs right through him his tackling fuel <laughs> <laughs> and he absolutely annihilates some of these teams there's that one where he's like uh freaking out on that one quarterback and the quarterback starts getting really <laughs> scared because he's like imagining his mom yelling at him <laughs> and yeah, it's like, the devil. Yeah, and, and the quarterback in real life is like, I, I, I didn't, I didn't beat it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Please don't hurt me. And then he tackles him, and then Bob Bruce yeah. starts apologizing to his mama while the guy's like concussed on the ground. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm sorry, Bob. I love you. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I love you too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's so know. many just dumb scenes and just short jokes that are memorable from this movie. And this movie's really short. It's only an hour and a half, but. It goes by really quick, and I'm laughing the whole time. Like, there really isn't any downtime for most of the movie. What's your favorite scene? Uh, <laughs> well, I'll tell you one of my favorite ones is when uh, Bobby Boucher kind of gives Coach Klein the pep talk, but, uh, you know, kind of, like, get him to be a better playmaker. And he th- has the same advice. Just envision something that's not threatening. And then he looks at the other coach across the field, and he envisions, like, a baby face that's cooing yeah. <laughs> And like Henry Wicker's like, boop, 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 boop. like yeah, he's like yeah. cooing with the baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the coach just has a confused look on his face. He's like, what? What is he doing? Yeah. Like, a poop, poop. Yeah. <laughs> and again, like my perception of this is, I knew him as the Fonz. I've never seen him do anything like this. So I just made it more funny because I never, I would never expect Henry Winkler to be this hilarious. It made me laugh. That that's that's so funny because the baby is ridiculous. It's like the way it turns into the baby is so ridiculous, and then the way he talks to it, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> "Wait, what, what? What did that sound again like?" Oh, <laughs> uh, you have to watch the movie. Uh, yeah. What about what about you? Me, your um, it's it's it might be because I knew of his history. 
and troubles, it might be the short scene with LT. Oh my god, because oh, that line so is funny. so good. That when is really just, ironic. Yeah, it's like Lawrence Taylor's like kids football camp, and he's brought Bobby Boucher, and the kids are excited to see him. So he asks him a question, and he, he he basically just responds that he sees someone with the ball, and he he goes after them, and like there's no <laughs> deeper meaning or psychological edge that he, that he's teaching these kids. <laughs> and but it's like long very, and drawn out. Yeah, it's a really well, long drawn out one. And, and he's he stammering. Nervous. He's stammering, mm-hmm. and he can't get it out. And then that brings LT to. Say like, and that brings us to our next point. Kids don't smoke crack. Yeah. <laughs> and all the kids are like shaking their head. Yes. <laughs> and then he, she, um, Vicky Valancourt shows up to steal his car, and rides it alongside Bobby's mower back to his place. Yes. <laughs> that might have been my favorite scene. Another so. great scene is when uh, Bobby finally stands up to his mama. And he oh, starts yeah. screaming at her. Like, he, so he, what he does is he's like a, an angry kid. He's having like a tantrum. And he keeps going like in his room and coming back and out, back and out. He's like, you know, I'm going to school and I love them too. And I love yeah. football. And then he comes back and he's like, and I'm Vicky Valco. I love her too. And she showed me her boobies. I love them too. And then he runs <laughs> out again and slams the door. <laughs> that was really great. Uh, my favorite scene is the Colonel Sanders scene when he's, oh, in, yeah. he's in class. Um, is it psych? I, I think it's like psychology. It's, it's, it's like sort anatomy of, or something. Uh, like, yeah, oh, because maybe, we're talking about animal brains and all that. Yeah, and he's he's uh asking he's, the professor's asking questions about alligators, and he's like, why are alligators so honorary? And then so um you know Waterboy raises his hand uh, and he gets called on, and he's like, my mom says the alligators are so honorary because they got all them teeth and no toothbrush. <laughs> and, and everybody laughs, and he's like, you know, mama's wrong. And then Bobby goes, no, you're wrong, Colonel Sanders. And he just charges him and knocks the crap out of him. <laughs> Papers are flying in the air and stuff. And it's okay, because Coach Klein said he could. Yeah, Coach Klein said, said he no, could. It's okay, it's okay, fellas. Coach Klein, Mr. Coach Klein said I could. <laughs> and then there's a great callback to that joke later when they're at like this house party and then the teacher starts walking down the stairs and he sees Bobby enter and then the, the, this, the teacher immediately is on guard and he's like kind of scared of Bobby and like he's and Bobby's just assured like no no it, it's fine like he just sh- shakes his hand and then yeah. Colonel Sanders is like How, tell your mom I sent her her regards or something like yeah. that like he's yeah, just yeah. afraid of her just from his experience yeah. with Bobby <laughs> it is so funny it is so funny. I can't remember what the first part, the first question that he answers, where he's like, Mama says that, uh, like, rainbows are something, something when they come down from heaven when you're feeling blue. <laughs> That's where happiness comes from. Oh, yeah, happiness, yeah. It's like rainbows from heaven when you're feeling blue. <laughs> that part is so funny. Yeah, it's a great, it, like I said, it's a fantastic movie. Like, I could rewatch this. Yeah, pretty regularly. Like it's something I could put in because it's it's short. It's just genuinely hilarious, especially for someone like me who I really don't like sports at all. You know, one thing we should mention too is this. It, it I'm I would say this may be the one movie where a single line pretty much revived the career of an actor with um, what's his name doing? Uh, you can do it. Oh, Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. Did he do? He hadn't yeah. done. Honestly. I, I mean, this was like the beginning of him doing all those Happy Madison stuff. Exactly. Because yeah. I think he'd always been friends with him. Yeah. He was like was on the like, rise, you know, with I mean, Sam. He only had like, what, three movies that he was the lead in. Mm-hmm. But you have got to remember at that time. The Animal yeah. or... Oh, and yeah. The Hot Shit. So four. 
Well, at that time, that line, the you can do it line. Oh, was it was everywhere. Like, everywhere. Yeah, it was, it was one of the most everywhere. pop. It was easy. I remember saying it at school all the time. I remember like it was like a cultural phenomenon for a yeah, while. Yeah, it was like that. it was like show me the money, but you know, in a more um, comical sense. Yeah. Yeah, and it basically made launched him into the hot chick and the animal and all those it's, other oh, yeah, stupid. Yeah, this was probably the only one that's the funniest, I would say, like actually funny at the time. Like everything else yeah. was after, you know, not great after that. Yeah, 100%. Not that not Deuce Bigel was great to begin with, but you know, you get what I mean. Yeah, I mean, his best thing was probably in Big Daddy, as far as I'm concerned. That was probably oh, yeah, that was a great role. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. But it all kind of started here. This is kind of like his Schneider sauce. Yeah, I think that's the real like Renaissance. Schneider sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I think the real renaissance was the Fonzasance, because it was yeah, <laughs> Henry yeah. Winkler. This was literally, like Don said, this was the first thing I really saw him in that wasn't the Fonz. And then I started seeing him get, you know, more roles as not just in Adam Sandler stuff. Mm-hmm. How about that Roy Orbison scene? Yeah, that's a great one. Fantastic. Yeah, he, uh, Coach, Coach Klein goes to Bob Boucher's house for dinner to try to convince his mama to get in the bill and play football, which... Uh, Bob Boucher warned him ahead of time. He's like, it's not going to happen. Like, my mom was so against it. And then after dinner, Coach Klein's leaving, and he says, what mama don't know won't hurt her. And then he pulls his pants down, and on the Fonz's bare butt is a tattoo of Roy Orbison. <laughs> like a giant Roy Orbison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, the Fonz, and excuse me, Coach Klein is staring at Bob Boucher right in the face while he's pulling yeah. his pants down. <laughs> And he pulls it back up and walks out. That's it. That's the whole scene. It's so. That's and that's how Bobby scene. ends up playing for the team. He just follows Coach Klein's advice of not telling his mom. That also leads into a, a, a mini set too, where he's not telling his mom that he's playing football. So he he starts coming up with stories about why he has bruises and you know why he's so you know in so much pain or sore. And he convinces his mom that like a giant gorilla beat him up. So she's posting like these drawn cardboard signs all over town. <laughs> To please call for information if you see this gorilla. <laughs> oh, yeah. What does he say? Like, they ever kissed that gorilla that escaped from the dude? Don't. Yeah. <laughs> no, Mama. The switch continues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you see, like, in the montage scenes, you see him coming back with, like, a black eye, and, and he's just making, like, gorilla yeah, and she's just completely buying into it. <laughs> oh, it's a great movie. It's so good. <laughs> It has a pretty solid little. We were talking about like um you know motivational speeches in these movies. It has a pretty solid one where they're all just kind of reminiscing over Bobby and all the stupid stuff he did over the season. And you have to remember that like we didn't kind of mention it, but the team hated him other than the kicker for most of the movie. They all until they him. won because of him. Yeah, mm-hmm. finally they saw value when it was paying off for them. Like he he was helping them win pretty handedly, and that's when they started to warm up to him, which is awful. But yeah, you know, it's it, life. It, it, yeah, yeah. but it was also nice. They do end up in, you know, legitimately loving him at the end of it. And they're all kind of reminiscing over the, like the stupid stuff he's did. And then he comes in on the fan boat and he's like, remember the time that Bobby Boucher came back in the second half and the Mud Dogs won the, the Bourbon Bowl? And yeah, it's, it's really And then but, uh, one thing, I, the, the ending was a little silly, but that's just the football fan in me. It makes it a little oh, more yeah. silly than even I can tolerate where it, like, wait, so after all of this, you're going to draw up a play for Bobby to throw a ball? You don't even know if he can throw a ball. Yeah, <laughs> it's the lat. You can't hold anything back. Isn't that what the announcer says? I know. 
I yeah. know. Because he repeats it like three times over commentary. <laughs> was it uh, Dan Fouts and Brett Mussenberger? Or? Yeah, uh, Mutz, uh, Mutzber- yeah, Brett Mutzberger. Yeah, yeah. so funny. It's Brett. Uh, yeah, Mutzberger keeps saying that. And Brett, uh, or no, Fouts, no, Fouts keeps, keeps saying, that. saying that. And then, yeah, yeah <laughs> Brett's just like, we know. There's a player on the opposite team named Meanie. <laughs> and he's like this middle linebacker who's all like crazy and big. And he's like, Meanie, you gotta, I don't care if you got to stab him. You're not going to let that water boy gain a yard or whatever. And then, <laughs> and then like the water boy's like, you sound like a big choo-choo. Well, yeah, he <laughs> is like, going, whoa, he's like, he's, he's doing it over and over and over. And he's like, you yeah. sound like a big choo-choo train. <laughs> and then he just knocks his ass out. Yeah. So good. But that, at the end, though, is when he catches him and basically power bombs that dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. I was a fan of that. He captain insane with him. Yep. He did. What did Vicky Valancourt say to Lynn Swan, where she's like, "What's the what's the final score gonna be, or whatever?" He said, "She said like it's gonna be twenty seven thirty or something like that." And he's like, yeah. "Oh, that, that's a pretty good prediction." Like, no, no, that's what's gonna be. Like, she's snapping at him angrily. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. she's, she's ready to like stab this dude. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> what it's gonna be. <laughs> and then it's because at the end it's like tied like I don't know twenty four twenty seven or something like that. It was close. Where if they got a touchdown, it would put them one 30. point ahead. Exactly. Yeah, like, something like said. that. Yeah, and then they show him uh, looking at her, and she just, like, kind of winks at him, like, see? Yeah. Like, I told you. <laughs> so good. And then he he doesn't uh, he doesn't go to the NFL. He stays in college. Yeah, That's kind of he, did this, he did the, the right decision, made the right decision. Yeah. Build his life there. Maybe. I don't know. Usually the NFL on that initial contract is usually the right decision. Yeah, well, he wanted to get an education because he never thought he could. And kind of the one of the to kind of wrap it up, too, is that his dad was never in the picture and he thought his dad died uh, in like what the Peace Corps in like yeah, the, Peace Corps. In the desert. Yeah. Like, yeah, because he didn't have any water and he like, yeah, he died. And that's how he dehydrated. becomes obsessed with being a water boy, making sure everyone's properly hydrated. And then, but Don, do you want to tell us like what his father actually is? His name, <laughs> he's, he's another kind of like stupefied guy named Roberto, but Roberto. Roberto. Yeah. <laughs> so mama gets, she, she sort of like fakes a heart attack or concussion and then she's in the hospital and then she hears how much love Bobby has and what he's done for the, the community essentially in the, in the school. So she wakes up and tells him about his father. And then at the very end, uh, his dad shows up because he realizes that his son's now an NFL prospect. And he's like this guy who's got like a pink suit. He's kind of cross-eyed. And he's like, he's like, it's you me, why he it's your dad, Robredo. Do you remember why he left her? Like the two the two things that he fell in love with? Uh, no, what were they? Uh, big City Living and a voodoo princess named Phyllis. <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah, there you go. But you're right. He meets he meets his dad at the end. Yeah. And his dad like tries to convince him to go to the NFL. He's like, take the money, dummy. Yeah, because Vicky and, and Bobby have gotten married, right? This is at their wedding, essentially. Like he stops them outside yeah. the church. Uh, yeah. By the and way, their, their, little... by the way, uh, their vehicle that they leave on is the tractor. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 no, the lawnmower. Or lawnmower, <laughs> excuse me, lawnmower. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, and then Mama ends up tackling Roberto. <laughs> Yeah, making the same noise that Bobby does. Yeah, like mother, like son, and and then him and and then Bobby Boucher and Vicky just ride off on the lawnmower in the sunset, basically. And and Reboito is as dopey looking as you could imagine this guy would be. He is like he was looking human too. He kind of sounds like Bobby too. Like it's you know it's his dad. Like there's no mistake. Yeah. That's how the movie ends. So 
looking back on this, we, we know how you felt the first time you watched it, but we'll we'll start with you, Don. Do you like this movie the same, less, oh. or more than when you first saw it? I definitely, I definitely like it the same. I mean, I don't know if I could say like it more back than I did back then because I did really like it back then. Like I rewatched it a lot. It was something we had on VHS, then we got it on DVD, and I rewatched it, you know, a couple <laughs> nights ago. Because first I was like, I wasn't sure if I should watch it because I was just kind of, you know, I was just sure we were going to record and what time I had, and I, I figured yeah. I'd watch it. And I enjoyed it all over again. Like I hadn't seen it in a while, and you know, there's things I remember like, I don't know, we'll say 95% of the movie, and there's certain things I didn't remember that were even more funny because I forgot them. So I'd say it's about the same. Like, I still enjoy it as much as I did 20, 26 years ago now. It's crazy. Yeah. And how about you, Mike? Yeah, um, I think I'm with Don. Where I don't love it anymore, but I loved it so much to begin with that it would be difficult for me to love it more. But I haven't loved it any less in the decades since because it's just it's so funny and it's so um, approachable, I guess is the word you'd say. Like, you could pick it up. If it's on TV, like a random channel, and it's just on, I could just sit and watch it at any point, really. And it's I know it's going to be funny. It's going to be nonstop jokes. It's that Adam Sandler humor that um, kind of makes me nostalgic for my middle school era when that, that kind of humor was really funny to me. And it has enough good humor, too, that you're not like it's not just like fart jokes and, you know, kind of dummy, dumb things. It's also like pretty funny, sophisticated humor in it, too. And so I can watch this anytime, all the time. I didn't watch it, but I remember every scene from it. I've seen it so many times. Yeah, I'd say for me, I, I like it a little less. Like, I, that doesn't mean I hate it or anything like that. Um, I just think, like, this movie, and although I never really cared for Little Nicky, so I guess it doesn't really count. I at least did like The, the Waterboy. But, like, those kind of movies didn't age as well for me. A lot of those Adam Sandler ones, like Happy Gilmore, I think aged great. So did Wedding Singer. Um, and this one just, it doesn't feel as funny to me, but I still had a good time watching it. Yeah, I'd agree with you, Randy. Like, I think uh, as far as the Amsterdam or tier list, like when he was, you know, he's sort of like top five movies at the time, this one still isn't my favorite, but I definitely would put mm-hmm. it below even like, you know, Happy Gilmore or something like that. Like, I could watch, I still think that movie's really hilarious all throughout. And Warboy's still great, but some of it is very much like late 90s early 2000s humor that maybe it isn't as funny as i thought it was but it's still again it doesn't really matter i still enjoy the movie yeah it still has some really charismatic performances that are fun to watch yeah exactly and this was one of the greatest comedic streaks of any actor ever of just hit after hit for movies from like you know 99 2000 all the way through 2005 2006 adam sandler is just putting out it was earlier than that yeah, 98, I guess 98, 98. No, like 96 like was like Happy Gilmore, and then, yeah, and then he did The Wedding Singer. Yeah. yeah, so, well, you know, 95-ish on, like, he was, you know, he was a big star. Whether people liked him or not, because obviously he had a lot of critics at the time for how stupid his humor was, didn't matter. His movies were successful, obviously. And he, he had made a ton of money. Jim Carrey had a lot of critics for how stupid his humor exactly. was. Exactly. He made a ton of money. Exactly. Yeah, how much did Waterboy end up making? Um, I'm not sure. I think it was like a hundred something million, 190 million. It was on a budget. That, that's, a, that's yeah, that's a really profitable movie considering yeah, that it's is. a cheap movie to make. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's him in a nutshell. So this was him at his height. You're right. Like this is like the height of his powers, basically. I'm not the right guy for this team anymore. I wouldn't say all that. You know, there was this great quarterback in the '70s. I knew. This guy was one tough son of a bitch. He fought for every inch he ever got. I mean, 
He didn't have your natural skills, this guy, but he could make it happen. He could win. But the game passed him by. Anyway, I ran into this guy a few weeks ago in L.A. And we had a few beers and started talking. You know what he told me? Yeah. He said when he looked back, he didn't really miss the Pantheon Cups or the girls or even the glory. You know what he missed? What he missed were those other guys looking back at him in awe. Those 11 guys, every one of them seeing things the same way. All of them looking downfield together. That's what he missed. I'm gonna miss you, amigo. Yeah. All right. So putting the water boy behind us and moving on to our next movie. All right, Mike, you're up next on our list of chronological order releases of movies. I could not have butchered that any worse, but we're going to roll with it. That's fine. (laughs) We're going to take the hardest of left turns from the water boy into uh, an insane drama called, we're going to try it again. An insane drama called Any Given Sunday. So Any Given Sunday is 1999 movie. It's directed by Oliver Stone. It stars Al Pacino, Cameron Diaz, Dennis Quaid, Jamie Foxx, James Woods, LL Cool J, just hit after hit of of really famous people at that time or just coming on the scene like Cameron Diaz is one of her first movies. Uh, And the basic plot of the movie is that it follows a fictitious team called the Miami Sharks who are a part of the allied football something America I don't remember some some made up NFL team basically and it follows this team who have been very successful for years and years and years but at this point they're kind of at the tail end of their their career so kind of imagine if you're a football fan like late 2010s um, Patriots kind of like that kind of style with an aging quarterback a an aging like core of players but who have all been at the top of the mountain at one point or another so it stars uh, al pacino as tony d'amato who's like the bill belichick of this team he's a hugely successful coach he's been around for like 30 years as a coach basically but at this point he's kind of at the tail end of his career or at the downturn of his career is the best way to describe it he's not winning games as much as he used to he hadn't won the their version of the super bowl in a while and so they're kind of trying to push him out, and he kind of knows that. So the owner of this is <clears throat> new. It was kind of like the daughter of the previous owner has taken over, and her name is Christina Pagniacci, and she's played by Cameron Diaz. And it's one of Cameron Diaz's like first roles. And she's trying to push D'Amato out and replace him with a offensive coordinator who's who's been there for a while too, played by uh, Aaron Eckhart, who this is like probably one of his first movies too, I think like one of his first big, big roles. Cause he's a, he's kind of the, and the antagonist to D'Amato. He wants him out so he can take over the team. Anyway, Dennis Quaid plays the kind of like the Tom Brady of the team. He ends up getting hurt and their second string or ends up getting hurt like immediately. So they have to go to their third string quarterback. Who's Steeman Willie Beeman played awesomely by Jamie Foxx. And at first, Beeman's kind of terrible. He doesn't really know what he's doing. 
but he has so much natural athletic ability and he's such a like dynamo on offense that he ends up uh, he they lose the first game, but he looks really impressive. And then he starts going on a run and it kind of deals not to take too long with this plot, but it kind of deals with the like what happens when you get famous, that kind of instant fame. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with motivating people when money gets involved? How do you deal with the end of your career? How do you deal with like, you know, fading in the spotlight? And it's all done really well. It's directed by Oliver Stone. It's based off a book. And it's got this kind of like crazy Oliver Stone style to it where it's all over the place. It's all it's like <clears throat> imagine like football, but on cocaine is like the best way to describe what's happening the whole time. It's just kind of all uh, kind of out, out there sometimes. But I think it's got a really good story. It's got a really cool scenes in it, some great dialogue and an awesome monologue from Al Pacino. Al Pacino is great in this movie. Uh, Jamie Foxx is great in this movie. What did you guys think of it? How about you, Don? Uh, okay, so I, I didn't dislike this movie, but I thought it was a really stupid movie. <laughs> <laughs> this to me was like what I think every armchair, not every, I shouldn't say that, but what some armchair quarterbacks fantasize about, like how football is with the high intensity, like the way it's shot. It's, it's meant to be like this really energetic sports broadcast. And like there's all this, you know, this crazy drama and just like people just being, you know, just awful to each other. Uh, the guys are having like a shower party with like a crocodile for some reason, right? Yeah. It makes no sense. And then like, I don't know, it's it, it's such a silly movie. But to me, it was like Armageddon, but with football, right? Like it has a huge cast. It feels like Jerry Bruckheimer made this, but you know, it's Oliver Stone, very much him. And I like I like most of his movies that I've seen. Like I really enjoyed Natural Born Killers and um, what was it? Did you do JFK? JFK right? He did JFK. He did right. So it's it's that, but it's just I think because of me, I'm so far outside the football bubble that. This movie just felt like really melodramatic and like meant to be like every dramatic high point you can imagine thrown into one movie. So it it was fun. I loved Al Pacino. Like his speeches were incredible like they always are. But I really feel like if it wasn't for the strong cast, especially him, this would be like no one would care about this movie. Yeah, I I, I agree a lot with what Don said. Uh, I don't dislike this movie. When I first saw it, I thought it was cool. I wasn't crazy into it. But uh, this movie feels a lot like Blitz the League, the movie, where where not only is it like ultra violent, the people are despicable. The, a lot of times throughout this movie, you're watching it in some of the hits, how late they are, what they do. And I'm just like, do, do they not have penalties in this version of football? To me, it felt like Oliver Stone portrayed football as the way that people who uh, have a burning distaste for football view it. If you know what I mean? Yeah, you're right, because I think this is what some people might perceive as football fans are what they think it is. And maybe that was the point. I don't know. But for me, it's just it felt silly the whole way through, like just really, really intense on the melodrama. And yeah. I think that was his goal, like just mm-hmm. to kind of defend him a little bit. And I think that was Oliver Stone's goal was to turn up as we had from a previous podcast, turn it all up to 11 <laughs> in a lot of ways. <clears throat> but I also want to push back a little bit and say that I think that we tend to look at football now in the, or look at that movie and we think of it in the lens of how football is now. And not that it was ultraviolet like it is in the movie, but it was a lot more violent. Oh, it in definitely the 90s was. And, and where they're taking this from the 80s and 90s than it is now. Um, so I think that that had a lot to play into it is like how that that 
kind of violence was. Now, obviously, like I said it's turned up to eleven. So there's a like, I think there's a scene where like a guy's eye falls out at one point. Yeah, like, exactly. That's yeah, what I mean. Yeah, there was some really crazy ultra violence yeah, in this. And like, how did someone's eye pop out? Well, well there's one scene was that Captain Insano was... on there gouging yeah. his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was Just one scene was... towards I, I think it was towards the last game or something, but it was just too much for that's like it's like I literally laughed out loud, but it's when. I forgot what the player's name was, but um, before this, he's in, in at a surgeon's office or something, and the surgeon's like warning him, "Don't you? Know, you can't take another hit, or you gotta be LT. careful." Is it LT? Yeah, uh, Taylor. I, 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 his, I can't remember what the name of his character is in it, but I can't uh, remember. Yeah, it's it's LT in it. Um, yeah. So so he gets a big hit towards the end of the game. Like then they think he's dead, right? Like he's on the field, and then Al Pacino does like this inner monologue of like almost like kind of praying to God that something will happen. And he looks up at the sky and like. The clouds part and sun shines down and the guy like comes to it's like oh come on like this is this is a little yeah. excessive yeah he's he plays luther shark levee who is another one of those characters in the movie who like dennis quaid's character who had been on the team for a long time and had a lot of glory kind of like revolutionized the position as middle linebacker because he was good yeah. in pass and running defense but uh he's kind of on the downturn and one of the reasons why he's staying in is because he needs to get to a certain game threshold i, th- I think it's game threshold no sacks to, oh sack total that's right he needs or, to or tackles was one of the two uh, to get a bonus, to get a certain bonus. It was a million and, dollar bonus. Yeah, and he was kind of he knew this was probably going to be his last season, if not one of his last seasons. So he needed that money because he didn't spend it very well when he was getting that money. Um, yeah, but that was kind of ridiculous. It, it reminded me a lot of not another teen movie where it's like the countdown on the guy is getting all those concussions. Kind of the same idea where it's like, come on, one one more hit and he's gonna be yeah. permanently disabled. And I should point out, too, like I always tend to point out movie length, and this one is especially long. It's a solid two and a half hours, and there's no downtime at all, but it's still too long, at least for my taste. Like, it's just, you know, maybe for me, I was kind of like over it, but like there's so many interworking plots with each other, so much stuff going on that it was just like, I don't think I care after two and a half hours. It it felt pretty long, but even though it was fast paced, I don't know how you guys felt about that. Yeah, I definitely think that it gets a little long in the tooth towards the end. And they try to tell so many different stories because you're right, because they're telling the story of LT and his broken neck and the doctor trying to hide it. And they're telling the story of Dennis Quaid and kind of being past his prime, but um, still trying to make it and be, you know, relive his glory days. And obviously Al Pacino and him trying to hold on to his spot and that you have, uh, you know, you have. Aaron Eckhart, who's kind of the new guy on the scene trying to prove himself, and they do all of his stuff, and they do all of Cameron Diaz's kind of new owner trying to flex her muscle in a male-dominated profession. So you get all of those things, and it does. It, it's too much of a salad, like too much of a, a acting salad. Like there's too many too many cooks in the kitchen is the best way. Yeah, there's it. also the whole subplot regarding basically the, uh, the doctors for the team. There's James Woods, James Woods plays the doctor who's just constantly just uh, like letting the players play on when they clearly need to be stopped. Like Shark himself, he needed to be stopped. <laughs> yeah, from playing, well, it should have not been cleared to play. It's definitely interesting too because there's kind of a point where I think it's um I think it's Al Pacino. Yeah, I think it is. He comes to the James Wood and then kind of berates him for everything he's doing. And Woods is like, you knew what I was doing this whole time. You didn't question this. Like, you never, you, you knew these guys were getting back on the field when they weren't ready. And you never said anything because you wanted them out on the field. He's like, I'm not the bad guy here. You wanted mm-hmm. this just as much as I did. 
And he also says they are warriors, which I thought was another like really just intense way of really glorifying football to me. I was just like, all right, that's cool. I guess they're warriors. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So any uh, particular scenes that you guys love? I mean, just like a couple of really, really big scenes in this movie, but any particular scenes? Uh, for me, it's just probably the most uh, anything with Pacino where he's giving like a pep talk. Of course, there's the most famous speech where he says, uh, actually, I says, we're in hell right now, gentlemen, believe me, and we can stay here and get the shit kicked out of us. Or we can fight our way back into the light. We can climb out of hell one inch at a time. Yeah. And then, uh, there's one where he's like talking to the quarterback because he's kind of doubting himself. And he gives him like this really awesome pep talk about how a quarterback leads a team. And, you know, it's like everything he says sounds like a soundbite that you'd see in like a feature documentary and everything. But it's because it's Pacino. It, it sounds great. And it's like it does feel really great coming from him because – you know, he's like juggling his own personal life and how that's falling apart while being a coach and trying to be positive to them because he knows that these guys are hurting. And, you know, it's a big capitalistic mess with everything going on. And D'Antonio, I think his name is, but that's Al Pacino's character. He's kind of like a carnival barker in the movie in that, like, he's saying what they need to hear to get them to perform the way that they want, want him to. So, like, a really good example of that is when he's originally talking to Willie at the beginning to try to calm him down to get him into the game. And he's talking about like, Hey, remember when you used to play football on the street back home in the hood? Exactly. That's stuff. the quarterback chat. Yeah. Yeah. And that whole scene, you did like, you could tell that he's just trying to motivate Beeman to go out there and be not nervous. But Beeman even calls back to that later in the movie where he's like, that was all BS. Like, you know, you told me what I needed to hear to get out there. You didn't really care about me. You didn't care about my well-being. And uh, that's kind of where that Al Pacino line is in the movie where he's like trying to motivate his players, but he does that inch monologue that he has, the inches. That's one of the best monologues you'll ever hear in the history of movies. I'm actually going to put it right here. I don't know what to say, really. Three minutes till the biggest battle of our professional lives all comes down to today. Either we heal as a team or we're gonna crumble. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. We're in hell right now, gentlemen. Believe me. And we can stay here, get the shit kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back into the light. We can climb out of hell. One inch at a time. Now, I can't do it for you. I'm too old. I look around, I see these young faces, and I think, I mean, I made every wrong choice a middle-aged man can make. I, uh, I pissed away all my money, believe it or not. I chased off anyone who's ever loved me. And lately, I can't even stand the face I see in America. You know, when you get old in life, things get taken from you. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of life. But you only learn that when you start losing stuff. 
you find out life's this game of inches. So is football. Because in either game, life or football, the margin for error is so small. I mean, one half a step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. On this team, we fight for that itch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that itch. We claw with our fingernails for that itch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the fucking difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I'll tell you this, in any fight, it's the guy who's willing to die who's gonna win that itch. And I know if I'm gonna have any life anymore. Because it's so good. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I would say that's the highlight of this movie for me because it's. Um, I don't think I'd watch it again. But uh, one thing I did want to note too that I thought was funny was uh, in the beginning of the movie, uh, I swear I heard Jerry Lawler's entrance music, like you know WWE wrestler and mid south yep. wrestler. They play it at the arena. Yeah, so I thought that was funny. But also this movie, there's nothing really quiet like every scene seems to have some music in it like some sort of you know like music of the time like there's kid rock on here missy like all these famous band, uh, artists from the time are in this movie but it's like it's non-stop like i know it every time it came up it just felt like the whole movie was like a music video at times yeah there's even that macho scene where you have the the, the people that would prefer like gangster rap music are arguing with the people who want metallica yeah and- <laughs> it's really yeah. silly and that's basically what prompts the guy, the, the Metallica fan, to go get the alle- his little pet alligator and throw it into the shower to, to scare the others. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because they're like fighting over metal versus rap and hip hop. Mm-hmm. The as so, as many high school weight room arguments went. Right. And so the movie kind of ends with. Dennis Quaid's character coming back from his injuries, his concussions, trying to like get another go. And it seems okay at first, but you can slowly see that one, he's not, he's not where he needs to be. And he's probably a detriment to his team, but his pride's kind of getting in the way of that. Eventually, I think it's by the second half of that last game, right? Where Beeman gets put back in the lineup. A lot of teammates. He just can't do it anymore. Yeah, and a lot of Beeman's teammates retired of his antics. He he got way too overboard with like uh, fame. Fame really got a hold of him. He even made like a ridiculous music video, kind of like yeah. I, I feel Anderson. like we we've almost completely glossed over him in this movie, and he's a huge yeah. part of this movie. This was like the probably the star making performance for Jamie, Jamie Fox, Fox for me. Like as far I mean yeah I know he had been in some other movies before, but this is here he is he's in a starring role alongside Al Pacino. And it was after this that he started be getting like you know real starring roles in in big movies, not just smaller in ones. Dramas. In dramas. In dramas. He, yeah, he exactly. Was, you know, he's from Living Color. He's a comedian. The Fox show mm-hmm. where where him as a comedian. So this is him uh, having comedic elements, but definitely being a, a dramatic actor. And he played an important role of. It was a very telling role of like the evolution of that position as a quarterback, where it was traditionally 
a, a white dominated position with kind of a standard quarterback who'd stand in the middle and throw, you know, throw the ball to the wide receiver. And Beeman, his character is much more like scramble around kind of that schoolyard style of playing, find somebody downfield or run with your legs uh, kind of quarterback that um, has evolved to the position today. I would say that's probably what the position today kind of looks like and a much more African-American dominated position than it was back then. And it, he becomes super famous because of he's just taking the, the whole league by storm because of how cool how cool he is and then how good he is on the field. Um, but he likes to get to his head and he kind of thinks he's better than everybody and his teammates hate him by the end of it. Uh, he's almost even despised more than LL Cool J in this movie, who is also ridiculous. <laughs> in this movie, he plays a running back who I think he needs like a certain amount of yards, right? And he'll get above. Yeah, he needed 1,500 yards, I believe. In, yeah, and if he get that, he'd get his bonus. But so he only cares about getting rushing yards. He'll do stupid, stupid plays that will like cost his team the game because he's trying to get as many yards as possible. Um, and he's kind of selfish in that way, too. But through all of it, Beeman does kind of come back to reality, come back to why he plays this game, what he loved about it. And he gets put back in the game and he leads his team on this tremendous drive against the, the this isn't even the, the Super Bowl. This is like the play of the, like the divisional playoffs, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And he leads them down the field and there's some really cool plays in it. One of them is LL Cool J's character gets the ball and he's running and he could go, they're, they're running out of time. They only have like 30 seconds left and he can either keep running straight probably get tackled in bounds. They don't have any timeouts, so they would probably not be able to get to the ball in time and be able to spike it in time for another play. And for a second, it looks like that's what he's going to do because that's what he's been doing the whole game, the whole movie is is kind of doing boneheaded stuff like that. But right at the last second, he steps out of bounds to preserve the time so there's enough time left on the clock to get a chance uh, for a play in the end zone to win the game. One of the coolest plays for me, and that's when Beeman, Jamie Foxx, has like the last play of the game, basically, to win the game. And there's some options that he has. We didn't even talk about uh, Bill Bellamy in this movie. He plays one of the wide receivers um, of MTV fame, who I used to always love back in the day. That's right. And, yeah, Bill Bellamy's in it. But he goes and he's looking for options. He doesn't really have any options. And he ends up jumping in the end zone, getting tackled by two guys. One of them is me. And uh, this guy who has my same last name, which is really funny. And I've never seen that before in any movie. So that was really fun for me. And they end up winning the game. In the epilogue, they you find out that that game wasn't like, it wasn't the championship game. It was like a playoff game. They end up losing the championship game. But Pacino No, I think, I think it was actually the last game of the regular season. No, that, it was a championship game because they go to this, that Super Bowl. I can't remember what the name of the Super Bowl no, was. For no, they, I think they go to like the, the conference final or something before no, the man, Super no. Bowl. It says, an epilogue voiceover, the Sharks eventually lost the championship final, the Pantheon Cup, to San Francisco. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but then D'Antonio, who's Al Pacino's character, he's giving a press conference at the end. And he's saying, like, well, I'm taking myself because he's going to get fired anyway. So he takes himself uh, to New Mexico for an expansion team. Like, who would make an expansion team in New Mexico? But whatever. And he's going to take himself, and I think he's going to take uh, Beeman with him to uh, New Mexico to start a new team out there, an expansion team called the Aztecs. And that's kind of how the movie ends. And it's, uh, yeah. Um, so 
Don, you just saw this. So the question of did you like it more or less wouldn't really make any sense for you. But uh, yeah, would you let's change it for you then? Would you recommend this movie for a person who likes football at the very least if they haven't seen it before? If you if you like football or fantasy football, absolutely watch this movie. (laughs) You know, like that's, that's my thing. It's, football. it's definitely fantasy football. And, uh, you know, I do remember when this movie came out, there was a lot of hype around it. It was definitely one of those movies that was on the Axis Hollywoods and all those kind of topical shows about movies that were coming out. And again, because of the cast and everything. But for me, it's just I couldn't take it seriously, even though I, you know, I, I do like a lot of the actors in it. I think the performances are just fine. Like, like I said, to me, this movie is like the Armageddon of football, where it's just it's loud, explosive, bombastic. A lot of it doesn't make sense. But you'll have a good time regardless, especially if you like football. It's over the top for sure. And it's got that Oliver Stone kind of, like I said, like football on cocaine is like the best way to describe it. It's just over the top, like in your face, mile a minute kind of stuff going on. Yeah, Uh, I I meant to bring it up earlier, uh, but didn't really have a chance. The the scene with Dennis Quaid where he's at home, because you can see that he kind of is at the point now where he's, you know, maybe I should be done. Because he's mm. he really has like fears when he's on the field. Like anytime someone's near him, it's like he's he's flinching, and like when you're flinching like that, you're done. But like the the scene where he's with Lauren Holly, his wife, mm. and and is talking to her about possibly retiring. She was awful. She was terrible. I was like, wow, Lauren Holly in your limited screen time may have somehow become the most unlikable person in this movie, full of unlikable people. Yeah, with mostly unlikable people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And she was kind of like his marketing like machine too. She for the for him, and I think she had grown accustomed to a certain lifestyle and was nervous about no longer being able to, uh, you know, go into that lifestyle anymore. I think she was nervous about that, so she needed that meal ticket to keep making those tickets for the meals. So um, <laughs> it was definitely like a thing you could, you could see. It. it was it was it was weird because. Her husband's telling him, or telling her, like, I don't really think I could do this anymore. And she's yeah, he like, can't remember things. He's talking about like having like black spots when he's trying to remember things. Like, yeah, you clearly should not be playing football anymore. Well, what yeah, makes like it worse? Whole... What makes it worse is, is um, Dennis Quaid is really good. At, like, he's like emotionally opening up to her, like genuinely opening up to her, and she doesn't yeah. even she just ignores it and just goes measly to his career and the money. And I was like, wow, she is one of the worst people like you said guys like in nor in a movie with a ton of terrible people she somehow sticks out as maybe the worst and yeah she and she kind of like, slaps him like yeah, <laughs> for even having the audacity of suggesting he should retire you know because he's a really old guy playing quarterback and he's already got multiple concussions yeah he's in his like late 30s at um this point in the movie they even talk about it and like that doesn't sound very old, especially for us, but in football years, that's pretty old, especially back then. That was basically unheard of. So Yeah, if you're not Tom Brady, that's very old. Yeah, and he was at the end, and he had a great career, too. He had, like, multiple MVPs. He was, like, a, a, the star of a team that had won many of these, like, Super Bowls. So it was weird for her to act like that, and she just straight up emasculates him and treats him like crap for no reason and it just like yeah like i said it's just, yeah that's part's rough that's a rough rough part to watch when he's practicing and he's like scared to throw the ball and scared of like even to practice you feel for him you're like oh man this guy should not be playing football anymore um but randy uh you had seen this before today and then you saw it again uh-huh. what did you think from the first time you saw it to this this watch now I'd say I kind of like it the same because like I said, I wasn't crazy about it, 
Like, I think I watched it once, maybe twice, once in theaters with my dad and his friends, and then once, like, on video or something. And I don't think I watched it again for probably around 15, 20 years when I watched it a few months ago. And then I watched it again uh, the other night. And yeah. uh, like I, a lot of the things that Don said rings true for me. It, it is kind of like a hot mess of a movie, but that's just how Oliver, Oliver Stone's style. It's very in your face. And um, yeah, like feel the same. It's still an entertaining movie because those performances are really good. Jamie Foxx is fantastic in this. Mm-hmm. Al Pacino's Al Pacino. So you can't really go wrong there. Yeah. And, and I, that that's yeah. those are those are primarily the reasons why I would say you should give this a watch while keeping in mind that it's not a very good representation of football. Especially current football. Yeah, it's it just not football. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's a lot of cameos in this. Jim Brown is like their defensive coordinator in the movie. And like he's pretty cool in it. And there's a ton of like other really famous football players from back in the day who are in it. Yep. And but I even is on the team, but you don't really see him except for like one moment of him celebrating like a touchdown. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And like, I said, yeah, this movie has like wide receiver arguably like two of the top five players of all time or no i would say unarguably jim brown and lt are are top five Uh all-time players regardless of position yeah tio's up there but uh, i'm kind of with you i would say that i've i've liked this movie less and less each time i've watched it and i think it's because when i was young and like in my teens when i first watched this i'm like yeah this is this is the coolest it's all over the place it's crazy everything's going you know all this crazy stuff happening jamie fox is awesome and then when I got older, I did not identify with Al Pacino's character, but I did really like his character. Uh, I, he was, I thought he was very complex, and I thought Pacino played him incredibly well. And the monologues that he gives, the, you know, the inch monologue is like one of the most famous monologues that you'll see in movies. It's quoted all the time, inch too short, inch too, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I really like that. Um, but I, I like it less and less the more I watch it, because I, I think I'm with you guys where it's like too much stuff going on. Yeah, so at the end of the day, I think this is a good movie if you've not seen it before and you like football, especially if you're an older person, like in your 30s and 40s and can kind of remember 90s football, especially and you know, late 80s football. But I think that if you're young, you might not like this as much because it is it's offensive in a lot of ways. It's not it's kind of all over the place. The storyline can go kind of everywhere. And uh, but the, the acting does save it, especially from Jamie Foxx and Al Pacino specifically. And there's a lot of really cool characters in it, but it kind of goes all over the place. So for me, it's a, it's a recommend, but for a very specific type of person. All right. I think that about does it with any given Sunday. Uh, moving on, we moved from the water boy. We took a sharp turn towards any given Sunday. And now we're going to course correct. It's going to be just right for the year 2000 with the release of Denzel Washington starring in Remember the Titans. Defense! On me! Okay, Petey, don't you drift to the strong side. Coach, they're calling a holding penalty on me every time. Did I ask for your excuses? You want to act like a star? You better give me a star effort, do you hear me? Forget about him! Alan! You're in! Come on! All right. Now... I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz! 
all night. And if they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm gonna take every last one of you out. You make sure they remember forever the night they played the Titans. All right. Remember the Titans. If you have not seen this movie because of a substitute teacher putting it on when they didn't know what to do, <laughs> you've probably seen this movie via other means. It is available on Disney+. Plus. This movie stars Denzel Washington as Coach Herman Boone, who becomes the head coach for a high school that is just now starting to integrate with the white and black students. And there's obviously a lot of racial tension. When he's there, he unintentionally he thinks he's going to be an assistant coach essentially like a co-head coach but he ultimately ends up pushing out will Patton, who plays coach bill yost who is kind of blindsided by all of a sudden this other coach comes in i've been coaching this team for so long we're really good and this has a really strong cast all around you have denzel washington will Patton, uh ryan hurst who plays gary bertier who's uh sons of anarchy fame also in Bates Motel and The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ethan Supley, who I, when I was watching this, I was thinking how crazy of a difference it is to go from his role in American History X to playing this character. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> and we also have a young Hayden Panettiere. She's only just a little kid, but she's a little spitfire. And mm-hmm. in an even more supporting role, we have a young Ryan Gosling, who is a liability at corner. He is. <laughs> so this movie, I've seen this movie quite a lot. And I feel like this is one of the only sports movies where absolutely anybody can watch this movie. Because it's, and I, in my opinion, it's the strongest live action Disney movie. Because it's a really important movie. It has a lot of good messages. Because Denzel's trying to unite this team. They're very obviously antagonistic towards each other they don't want to accept what's happening but they have to do it and as they do it they're kind of strengthening the community because of it yeah Mm -hmm. well one thing i'll say randy is that you mm -hmm. also didn't you forgot to mention any of the black players on the team (laughs) oh (laughs) i'm very famous actors that are which well i was just scrolling down through uh imdb (laughs) Okay, well, Donald Faison, who is, um, I, you know, obviously I remember him the most from Scrubs, but it was also on Clueless, uh, and I loved him. And then Wood Harris. And Wood Harris. Mm-hmm. Huge in The Wire, and we love we, we The Wire. So it was very funny that you just happened to mention. Yeah. <laughs> Do that what you will, Internet. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was just handing uh, out some names that I was scrolling through on IMDb real quick. <laughs> But yes, um, yeah. Sorry to derail, but that that just struck me really funny. No, it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> what Harris? He's in um Gen B right now, I believe. Yeah, and he's great. And obviously, he was yeah. awesome in he, The Wire. Him, uh, he plays Andre. Julius, 
And mm-hmm. Julius and Gary Bertier are essentially like the main characters of the team. Like obviously yeah. the main character is Denzel Washington. They both lead uh, their respective defenses mm-hmm. in, on the team. And Bertier kind of at the beginning is leading the white players. And uh, Wood Harris, uh, what was his name? Sorry, his name is Julius. Julius. Uh, he, yeah, and he kind of leads the black players. And uh, it's their friendship and bond that is kind of the central theme of the movie, or the central plot of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, because when they first meet each other, they're basically at each other's throats. Denzel Washington comes in and is basically forcing the offense to stay with the offense, defense to stay with the defense, but you have to stay with someone of the other color. So, which does bring about like some really intense moments between Julius and, and Jerry, but it also brings out some really funny ones with Ryan Gosling, and I'm not sure who the other actor is. I think that's because you can see he was like really quick to embrace this whole thing, like, especially that scene where he's showing him um, or making him listen to it. Sounds like Hank Williams. Yeah, I believe he's listening to it was Petey. I think he was with Petey, who was Donald Faison. And he was like, no, he wasn't. It wasn't Petey. It was it was another one. I thought it was Petey. Maybe not. Okay. But yeah, in the the poor guys, like, gotta listen to this terrible country music. And Ryan Gosling's face is so funny in that because he's like, right, right, the whole time he's listening to it and like dancing around to this ridiculous country music. <laughs> and the guy just has this face like, are you kidding me right now? He's like, I I don't even need to ask, but I will. What do you think? Yeah. And he says, yeah. Does the term "cruel and unusual punishment" mean anything to you? Yeah. <laughs> Such a great line. So, like I said, this is a movie that I've seen quite a lot and i do think it holds up exceptionally well being that it's one of the sports movies that it truly is for all ages because it's it's you know there's a lot of racial tension in that but obviously they can't use hard racial language or anything like that so it is a movie that you would take your kids (laughs) to and one that you would enjoy just as much with your kids um do you remember when you first saw this one mike yeah, I I, I want to say I saw this in theaters. If I didn't, I saw it like right when it came out on video. Um, I loved it. My mom loved it. My mom loved the soundtrack. I remember we had the soundtrack on CD for like years and years. Um, but my mom loved it. I loved it. It's great from start to finish. It's super wholesome, very funny in points. Uh, really good like football stuff too. I mean, for high school. It has like, a, you know, the characters... Definitely don't look like high schoolers, some of them, where you're like, mm, I don't know if you're a high schooler, man. <laughs> you look like you're 25. Uh, but overall, it's great. I, and I'll, I'll watch it all the time. Like, it, it can come, it's another one of those movies like Waterboy, where it could be on TV, and I'll just watch it, because I love it. It, it. it holds, like, a cultural, spiritual part of my body of how much I love this movie. And how about you, Don? You'd never seen this one before. Yeah, I was gonna say the first time I'd seen this was like three days ago, and I'm uh, excited crazy to hear your thoughts on it. Well, it's great. <laughs> too. You know, it's one of those movies where, again, I, I it's weird because I know this was 2000 because I vividly remember this being again a hot rent or a Hollywood video. Like I remember stocking on shelves. It was almost always rented out. I just never watched it over 24 years. So I, I, I did like it a lot. Uh, I I didn't realize it was like a Jerry Bruckheimer produced movie, but to me this mm-hmm. this movie feels a lot like. Um, you know, we always talk about, like, in our last four steps, so, like, those sort of kids ensemble movies, like Mighty Ducks, uh, you know, like, Rookie of the Year, or I guess, like, Big Green, movies like that. But this is, like, a much more mature version of those movies. And it works really, really well. Like, I, I really enjoy it the whole way through. And um, it's it's 
hard because it like some of the tragedies it portrays in there, like with uh with is his name Jerry or Gary? Jerry Gary Bertie. Gary um spelled like it's Jerry. Yeah. So later in the movie he um he ends up like paralyzed in a in a drunk or I think it's a drunk driving accident or some car hits him. No, some car no just hits he him. just, just... wasn't paying attention because he was still celebrating yeah, yeah like drunk driving. driving on the road. Yeah, they got a win, so he he got like T-boned essentially, and like you know because right before they're after like an after party, like you said, so everything's like lighthearted, and then that happens, and then you get the news that he can't play ever again, like he's paralyzed for the game, like he's watching it from his bed basically, and it's like it's it's one of those things where I didn't expect to have that kind of drama, and it's like it delicately balanced the the racial tension and all the other you know pivotal moments in the movie, but still remained to be lighthearted for a lot of it. It's just mm-hmm. like a, it's just a good movie. Like I don't want to say it's, you know, I, I wouldn't expect to have liked it as much as I did. I really like this one. Yeah, that that scene, you know, plays into what Mike was saying about the soundtrack. That uh, the scene plays out during fire and rain. That mm-hmm. song's playing, and you have you have Coach Herman Boone like on the lawn with his daughter. They're excited because they're going to the state championships, and it's just this really feel good scene. And then just blammo. That that car accident just completely changed the tone it's of the abrupt. movie. It's Very abrupt. Yeah. Even though you can kind of, I remember when I was watching it, I could see it coming because, like, dude, eyes on the road, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's also a gut for sure. You don't. It's not so much that you don't see that part coming. You just don't imagine it happening because it's like, well, this is the almost the end of the movie, and they're coming to the most important part of the movie, and you would think that this character who's been so important to the movie is going to be in the game, and then that happens. Uh, and it's a real gut punch. And when uh, when Julius goes to go see him in the hospital and Bertier's mom is talking to him, uh, that's a really rough scene, too, because you're, you're like you really feel for him and um, the relationship they have together. His mom and, and Julius, too, is, is a really sweet relationship they have. Um, but, yeah, that's a great scene. And also, I, I wouldn't expect that kind of scene either, because, uh, you know, this movie, like it, it already has that feel of like this underdog you know, wholesome story, like story arc, like there's you know everything that's sort of pivotal and all the adversity they face. And I just didn't expect that car accident to happen. And then again, mm-hmm. to, you know, he ends up paralyzed and he can't play ever again. Yep. So uh, scenes, favorite scenes, Randy? You want to go that? Um, I was sorry, I was collecting my thoughts for a moment. I got kind of lost. That's okay. <clears throat> that's okay. We edit it out later. It's fine. That's right. <laughs> So, what was your favorite scene in the movie, Randy? Uh, okay. So, my favorite scene was probably one of the early scenes that we're going... It's going to be like any given Sunday, where I think it's the monologue again. And mm-hmm. it's when he takes the team that's still kind of at each other's throats, and they go to uh, basically the, the the cemetery at Gettysburg. Mm-hmm. And he gives this whole speech about how all these people died fighting the same b- battle that they're fighting right now. And I thought that was a really strong scene. Denzel Washington absolutely crushes it. Yeah. Yeah, and there's so many, like, little snippets in this movie that are so great, too. But I, I do love that scene. And they go on a big jog. And that kind of sets up with Denzel saying, like, if you can't make this jog, don't come back. Like, you can just go home. And it's good because you start to see the team become a team. Like, they're helping each other. Uh, you see... Um, you know, you, you see a lot of the characters helping each other through the forest and not get lost. And you see, um, you know, PD, or sorry, you see um, Julius and, and Gary kind of helping their teammates get to this point. And yeah, and then they, they go to Gettysburg and they talk about like, hey, this is what it's all about, guys. This is like why we're doing this. 
is why your team is so important and why it's so important to this community. And yeah, it's a really beautiful scene. Well, well, well shot too. Like that has like the fog rolling in over the cemetery and stuff. Very, very cool scene. Yeah, that that was the moment that the the team started to turn around. You had that moment with Gary and Julius. Uh, Julius makes a a big play, a big hit, and Gary lights up one of his uh, white offensive line teammates, basically calling him out for not blocking. And then Julius makes like another great play, and and he kind of like you know pushes Julius, like you know trying to pump mm-hmm. pump him up and get excited. And there's that like that tense: is he gonna take that the wrong way? But then they just they start like you know really gelling together and the whole left team side. responds to it strong, strong side, side. <laughs> left side <laughs> strong side yeah that's one of my that's and, one of my favorite scenes yeah and so that happens pretty early into the movie and that leads to them going back to to school where the rest of the community has not adapted in the same way that this high school team has yeah and yeah, i thought this movie did a really good job not only showing the you know, the struggles of, like, the black students with, you know, the obvious racism and all that, but also the ones, the the white students who were really trying to be good to them and, and what it was doing to them with their friends. Like, now they feel like they're outcasts, too. It, it was, it, I thought it was pretty fair to everybody, and yeah, I really enjoyed like Bert, that. Bertier, like, Gary, when he comes back and his girlfriend at the time is basically saying like we don't want to hang out with them and we're you know they're not our people or whatever Mm -hmm. and he's you know he's kind of like but why not like why don't you just hang out with us it's not that big of a deal and And also his even his mom yeah his mom didn't know what to do um and that's why it's such a wholesome scene when he meet when they meet for the first time when um julius and uh bertier's mom meet each other for the first time and you think it's going to be like this really tense moment but then i think julius just picks her up and hugs her and then it just becomes this really wholesome scene and um it's i think one of the biggest messages is that like the these tensions that exist and these obviously terrible ideas that we have about people exist solely because we're not willing to just communicate and interact with them and when we do interact with the people we realize that we're all just human beings and we can all just you know are able to understand each other and and live with each other. And the things that stop us are just those built up tensions that we put on ourselves to not communicate because of who they are or what they believe in. And it's the whole movie is breaking down those barriers of like who, who those people are and things, which um, I think it's done really beautifully. Yeah. And that is the the biggest strength of this movie is that it has a really positive message. I, I don't think it really, overuses like the melodrama i mean i i would say like my one uh uh, strike against this film is there's a lot of use of that sweeping dramatic music oh for sure but (laughs) there is a lot of it but but the the scenes are so good like they're they're Mm -hmm. good scenes so i can't i can't complain about it and i certainly won't it was just something i noticed and kind of made me chuckle a little bit when i was watching it again yeah what was your favorite scene, Don, that you can remember? Uh, I had a few. So there was, uh, anyth- again, anything with Denzel is great, but I like mm-hmm. a lot of the speeches he had. Like, there was one where um, the players are finally, like, it's early in the movie, I think, where they're not quite assimilating well or getting along, and they get up in this, you know, little throw-up fight. And then Denzel breaks them up, and he says, you look like a bunch of sissies at, at, after a cat fight. Two-year-olds thrown to fit. Football is about controlling that anger. Like, it's just a great, you know, sort of poignant point about where they should be challenging themselves and, like, you know, get themselves together. 
Um, I like his speech to the quarterback where he kind of embellishes a bit, where he says, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, he's, 12, he's talking about brothers and sisters. Yeah, <laughs> like he's talking about the responsibilities of a quarterback, and he, he sort of makes them, you know, the analogy of how, you know, it, his he had to take care of his twelve siblings, and then his uh, yeah. assistant coach says, twelve? Wasn't it eight? Or no, he said no. He's, he's like, he asked like, did like you eight, really right? have twelve? No, he did said you really eight, have twelve right? brothers and sisters? And he said eight. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. like, yeah, he's twelve like, sounds better. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then one scene I thought was like a great sort of middle finger to the other coach because I think it was on TV. The coach, you know, he called Denzel a pretty bad name. Like he called him a, a monkey, oh, yeah. or something like that, right? Yeah. After his team, after Denzel's team beats him, he puts a um a, a banana in the coach's hand to just like mm-hmm. give him that finger, like yeah, what you know, what am I now kind of thing. Uh, so that, it's just. That. And it's just like a lighthearted joke and like a jab at that guy for being such a, a, a piece of garbage bigot, you know? And like Denzel just kind of like, he doesn't have to do much. He, that's his sort of statement against him, you know? Is so that that, that also brings me to like another, like I kind of have like three co-favorite scenes. I was going to say. I the one up. leading up to that, because what what's happening is that the Titans are out there playing a game against this fairly racist coach and they're all white school and they're getting called for every penalty possible. And, it, and and it's Coach Yost that recognizes that the the whole the whole setup that once uh, the the Titans lose a game, Herman Boone's out and Yost is going to be the head coach again. So all he has to do is just stand aside and let this all happen and play out. But he he can't possibly do that to these players. And he goes out and calls calls the refs out, tells them I, I'll tell the media, I'll tell everybody what's happening today. But I'm not going to let you destroy these young men's you know their yeah. passion and then he gives he gives a great phenomenal great little monologue mm-hmm. speech where he tells them that they blitz all night <laughs> and that they yeah. have to make sure that they'll remember forever the forever. night they play the titans yep forever the night they play the titans and yeah that's a great scene is that also the scene where he gets pd to play defensive back? no because that was okay. the first game of the season okay i couldn't remember all I he just was getting tired of getting because he fumbled, I believe. He was the running back. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he got benched. Yeah, and he doesn't handle Coach Boone's intensity very well, not like a lot yeah. of the other players. And Coach yeah. Yost is a little bit more of a softer type coach. So he offers him to play defense to replace Flying Gosling, who was getting beat like he stole something. Well, he was. <laughs> I was going to go, because you guys kind of took... I'm going to tell you guys my two favorites. Oh, sorry. Has, no, that's okay, because um, that was a good... That's, that's not my favorite. That's one of my favorites, though. But two of mine, one of them has Hayden Panettiere in it, and the other one has... Um, uh, well, we'll talk about the other one in a second. But the one Hayden yep. Panettiere that I really love is when she's supposed to go over to Boone's house to play with his daughter and play dolls with her. And then he she ends up just, like, dissecting a football tape with him. <laughs> For like you know, he's like and like so that so it's like Denzel and uh, Hayden Panettiere like going over like tape together, which is like a really funny and kind of cute wholesome scene. Um, and it, but it then is like punctuated by a very terrible scene where um, some racist guys come over and like fire a shotgun at his uh, or no, they throw a brick through his window, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and uh, and Boone grabs his shotgun. Yeah, 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 yeah. But another scene that's my so that's a really good scene and Hayden Panettiere is great all star she's she's one of the she steals the show for a lot of the movie because she's so fun it's like so cute and wholesome and like funny she's a complete it. firecracker mm-hmm. but then another one I was gonna say another one of my favorite scenes was when um they are still at camp and they're in the cafeteria and um what's the name of the bigger guy from American History X what's his uh, uh, real Ethan, Ethan Supley 
Yes, yeah, so, yeah, Supley. So he gets picked by Denzel to talk about his roommate, and he ta- and he like talks about how he's he's rooming with Rev, and uh, that he wears like bikini style underwear or whatever, and like <laughs> and that he's uh, they both dig the Temptations, and he starts singing um, some Temptations, and it's like a really wholesome scene too because he's he's one of the only white players who's even willing to give his team is he doesn't really care about any of that stuff like he's just yeah he, he's uh, another one of those like military kids um mm-hmm. who doesn't really care about like any of this racism nonsense and he just wants to play football yeah you can tell that he obviously he did say that they just shipped in so he's mm-hmm. obviously from somewhere else and then there's another character who has a very similar situation that joins so them sure. during training camp <laughs> and he's this hippie looking guy with long hair but man, can he throw a football? Mm-hmm. And they affectionately dubbed him Sunshine. He's but from he California. Had to, he had to, yeah, exactly. No, he's from California. California. He's a Californian. <laughs> so he had to California cut his hair Dreamer. and join the team. And he is also the basis of my other favorite scene, that which was like at the third game of the season, when the this is when Gary Bertier's friend, who was the tackle. He doesn't he he sees that Ethan Supley has audible because he knows what's coming and he chooses to ignore it completely and leave the their big all all state nose tackle to run free right at the quarterback rev injuring mm-hmm. rev and basically he breaks his hand so he's not going to be able to throw the football again for the rest of the year and that's when they have to turn to Sunshine who's still trying to get a grasp of the offense and he goes out onto the field and, you know, um, Ethan Supley's character, he's still he's torn up. He feels terrible because he, he could swear that he audibled and he did. And Sunshine turns to him and says, we're running the same play. And then he tells Ethan, I don't know why I'm blanking on his actual name. <laughs> the, characters, the characters. Yeah, there we go. Um, he turns to him and he says, let him through. And it was like, what? let him through and he snaps the ball he quickly throws it away as this massive nose tackle comes at him and sunshine just does one quick dip and basically gives him a back body drop and sends him flying overhead yeah <laughs> causing the the opposing coach to scream for a penalty and the referee's like on, on the, the quarterback, quarterback? <laughs> and just and then the way that he just stares down that all ta- that tackle and you're like man that is a like how bad is this dude well, they even say that's a bad white boy. Yeah, that's a that was a great soundbite. That's a bad white boy there, and he had yeah. already messed with Gary Brutier just by, by playing him. on. Yeah. yeah, by kissing him. And I don't think you're supposed to care one way or the other. It is is he gay or not? I don't think it matters because he could just as easily just be sticking it to him because yeah, he's like you know, with he should he, Yeah, he is. He is effing with him, but like, but he also could be. It doesn't really yeah, matter. There's a great scene with Petey afterwards where Petey's trying to figure it out. And he's like, it's not that it matters. He's like, well, then why do you care if it doesn't matter? And he's like, well, I just, I just want to know. But why do you need to know if it doesn't matter? <laughs> why do you got to be messing with my mind? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, they do. That, that, that's also handled pretty well because they, they just kind of assume that he's gay because he's from California. That's, that's literally, and he has mm-hmm. long hair. That's it. And he yeah. does. And, and he, he could be. <laughs> he could be. But, but also, cares, he could you know? also just be so open-minded that he's just going to punish them for their homophobia. That that's what and he does, and that's that's exactly that's exactly what he, what he does. Yeah, which is great because yeah, he just is like, oh, this is going to be a perfect opportunity to meet for me to f with a bunch of like 
people who are bigots about this. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is great. It's a great, yeah, it's a great scene. Um, I can go on about this movie all night, honestly. It's so, it, it's so easy, too. Because there's just scene after scene of, like, great, great, great stuff, great funny bits. Um, but the, uh, I would say, who do you think is the best character in this, or the best actor in this, I guess? Would, Denzel? Denzel, yeah. Like, I, I mean, everyone else is great, but Denzel. And, and, but, Denzel. Well, I mean, Denzel is great, but I think that there's a lot of great in this. Like, I think Will yeah. Yost is really great, too. Yeah, yeah. Denzel's the glue, I feel like, of just, yeah, but he you're right. He absolutely is. He Will is. Patton makes is the chemistry excellent. work. Yeah. And Will Will Patton's in a bunch of stuff from our era too, like Armageddon, uh, you know, into the callback to Armageddon, but he was in a he's been in a bunch of different things and he this is probably his best role like as far as acting goes. He's just really great at it all the way through. Um he plays with a lot of empathy. He also has you could tell he's not as bigoted as the people around him, but you can tell he feels slighted because he was he the does. coach of the team and he got demoted to defensive coordinator um when uh when Boone came in. Yeah, um, but and they were supposed to be aside. like co-head coach, but for whatever yeah, reason, they just went with Boone to make a point. But that was only because they were going to get rid of him as soon as they lost the game. Like, oh, clearly yeah. he's not cut out for this. We gave him a chance. He's gone. And that's one thing I liked about uh, Yost's character was that he had a lot of integrity. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah. he definitely did not want to be handed the job like that. He recognized the importance of what they were doing. And he wasn't a racist. Yeah, he was he was anti-racist uh, as much mm-hmm. as I would say as much as Boone was. He didn't have any of the, like the they don't belong here. They shouldn't be on this team. Any of that kind of stuff. He was you could tell he was just more um, like hurt that he got his. Yeah, it just he, sucks that know. it happened to him. Yeah, he just thought and, he, he deserved more. And and he kept the team together because the the team did, didn't want to play for for Boone. Yeah, and he was he so just hard insisted, on them. Was like you know don't do this to yourself. You're gonna ruin your your senior year or junior year. Yeah. Kind of does to kind of go back to um, in real life. Cause this is based on a true story. It's not exactly as portrayed in the story. No. So Boone, Boone is not nearly as revered uh, by his players as uh, in real life as he is in the movie. He was kind of those like really harsh, harsh parts of Boone that yeah. played were like kind of his MO and they really only had one good season, which was this season. They did have a great – this was a great season. They ended up going to the state finals. Um, well, they, they won it. Yeah, and uh, and won the state. But then they never went back again, and he never went back again. So, but I think the biggest difference is that there was never any actual agenda to remove him if they lost. No, that was just no. something that was made up for Hollywood. And I think that the school had been integrated for – a couple of years at that point before this, it wasn't like yes. uh, they were going to be integrated at the same time this this football team happened. It uh, it had already been integrated for a number of years. I don't know how long exactly, but it had been integrated for a while. So there's a lot of creative license there with that. But you know, it doesn't matter. It don't, honestly doesn't matter because this movie's amazing. But uh, that is kind of interesting. That the 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 truth of this is a little different than what actually happened. Yeah, they got yeah, as are most things that say based on a true story. Yeah. Sorry, Don, what were you saying? Uh, I was just saying, like, it just, you know, Hollywood has to kind of make the threat a little bit more spicy, right? Like, they kind of have to embellish things to make it a, a better movie or maybe have a, a more rounded movie. Because it's like mm-hmm. they can't portray the negative, too much negative on him, you know, especially when he's supposed to be the positive in the movie. Um, one, other, one other thing before I know we we're kind of going long, but one other thing I want to talk about was the soundtrack. Because oh, it is amazing. an amazing soundtrack. 
let me give it let me let me list some of these tracks on the soundtrack for you guys and you just go like oh man that's great all right so ain't no mountain high enough amazing spirit in the sky peace train uh it had that na 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 song mm-hmm. in it. uh long cool woman in black dress um up around the bend spill the wine uh express yourself like just bang it was bang a great 70s. combination of 70s rock and r&b because mm-hmm. you you kind of mix those two genres because that's where those two you know different eras were coming together there's two different kind of peoples coming together so yeah amazing wasn't it wasn't it the um up around the bend was during like that montage of them winning games and like the community slowly kind of you know coming together yeah i, I remember there was the yes that was the <laughs> best that was near the end of that montage you see like a, sto- a shop owner puts a, a restaurant owner puts up a sign saying titans eat free and then they cut to the titans in there and they're literally like folding their sandwiches to get uh-huh. maximum uh-huh. amount of food yeah. into their mouths and then it cuts to them taking down the sign and just putting titans eat <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that also reminds me of the scene where um they go to that restaurant for the first time after winning that game um i think it's pd um, I, th- I think, I can't remember what the other character, I know P's in it and I know that Sunshine is also there and it's a couple of the other of the black teammates are going to this like restaurant. Rev and yeah. And they know, and like the, the black players, like, we don't want to go in there. They, they already know that they're not gonna be able to be served, mm-hmm. but, but, but Sunshine, Sunshine's he's, clueless. He's from California. So he doesn't, yeah. I mean, even though there was racism in California at that time, so it's, it's kind of silly, but either, either but still. He comes from a inclusive background. So he's like, no, we're fine. Why, why can't we eat here? You guys are all, we're, our money's good. And he gets there and the shop owner was like, you know, we're not, you guys can eat in the back, I think. We're not going to serve your kind. And then yeah, out, they out point the out, kitchen, essentially. Yeah, and they even point out Sunshine and say, we don't need to serve you either, hippie boy. And, um, you know, PD and all those guys get really mad at him because... And they tried to defend him a little bit by saying he didn't. Yeah, it was mostly Petey was the only one really mad. The other ones were trying to calm him down. Yeah, of like, you know, but, you know, Petey's had to deal with that his whole life, probably. So I could understand why he would be upset because he's trying to tell them. He's trying to tell them, like, no, we can't do this. And, um, you know, Sunshine wouldn't listen to him. Well, it's a really poignant part of the movie, too, where I think Sunshine's innocence kind of gets broken there. about like Absolutely. You know, like, you know, that's that's kind of a thing that that's something that would stick with you in your life. You'll, you'll always remember the time you got like discriminated against. Now imagine sunshine himself is going to always remember the time that he kind of walked them right into that, despite what their warnings mm-hmm. and how bad that must've made him feel too. He is just so yeah. arrogant that he assumed he knew best. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. He literally thought like, no, those times are over. Yeah. You know, California, it's all good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a really poignant part of the movie where you could just tell, like, hey, just because your team's together and just because some people are on your side, the town still is really against you guys and what's going on, and especially outsiders in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so a wonderful. Movie. Um, obviously, Don, you had never seen this before, so your thoughts are, um, if you liked it more or less, don't really apply. But yeah, so you would say it was really good, then, right? Yeah, like if I was to choose between this and any given Sunday, this would win hands down. <laughs> I'm any, with you. Any given yeah. Sunday for this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like also Sunday. a Saturday. <laughs> yeah, on Saturday, Monday, whatever. This movie is just way more enjoyable all around. It's easy to get into. Uh, you know, it's it's a Disney movie, so it, you know it, it has like the same sort of format as a Disney movie does, but it doesn't matter. It works. It's really great. It's it's a it's a good watch. 
And how about you, Mike? More or um, less or the same? M- maybe more though the love for it that i had was high to begin with but it's such i i think because i would say out of all of these movies even waterboy it's probably the most approachable and the most um like easily digestible by anybody like you can mm-hmm. have old young different easily. walks of life different you know things you like taste in, in movies and things like that and it doesn't matter uh, because it's such a, a well-written, well-directed, well-acted movie with such a great uh, soundtrack to it and a really important message that anybody can watch this. And mm-hmm. it's great. It's great from start to finish. So I would say as I've gotten older, I've gone to appreciate it even more for not only how good it is and how funny it is, but the message it has and, and, the, and the, the acting and like the wholesomeness of what it's trying to portray. Yeah, uh, I was I would say exactly the same thing. I I, I like it even more. Uh, some of that is because of like I made that joke about oh a substitute teacher might have put this on while they're at work. That happened a lot. Mm-hmm. So I I saw this movie a lot growing up to the point where you almost like take it for granted. And yeah, then when we you had come it on back, VHS. And, yeah, exactly. I did too. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I went back and watched it again a few years ago. I hadn't seen it in probably like a decade or so, and I watched it again, and it, and it still just hits me just as good. Um, and like I said, I had a real appreciation for how approachable it is for an all ages movie. Like you know, there's we like we love like the Mighty Ducks and all that, um, but like a parent might not care for the Mighty Ducks that much when they when they took them to to the theater when they were younger. Yeah, but a, a parent would hundred percent appreciate this movie they take their kids to see it because it's giving them a great life lesson and it's entertaining them without really crossing any lines i would say yeah. the only group of people that would maybe not like this are like devout racists maybe <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> can you imagine like like <laughs> like the guy who would come into hollywood video oh yeah we had a like that. Uh. yeah he probably wouldn't like this movie too much yeah yeah, I'm with you, man. It's just like I said, it's an important. I know it's kind of silly to say it's an important movie, but I think it is because it's an easily digestible movie with a really good message that's important to show people. You need movies like this, you know. Absolutely. So, I, just to wrap things up about all of these movies, we we joked about the disparity between them. We go from <laughs> The Water Boy, yeah. and then we take this crazy turn and end up in some crazy oliver stone macho movie and then (laughs) and then all of a sudden i feel like we course correct and here we are remember the titans so watching all of these three movies you know fairly close together what was that experience like for you well don right because you saw all three of these i did because i didn't watch the titans or because i've seen well you you had seen the water boy before but you had never seen yeah yeah, i've seen water boy you know Obviously, over the last yeah, however many years. But yeah, this was the first time. <laughs> I don't know when I'll watch three football movies again in a week. <laughs> <laughs> they don't make enough of them. <laughs> uh, even then, like they didn't make these were way back. But anyway, um, yeah, it, it's it's obviously very apparent when I watch them back to back, like how different they are and how mm-hmm. much you know. There's 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 a scale for me on this, and I would say like Remember the Titans and Warbird are definitely like on the you know I would I I would watch again. I enjoy a lot, mm-hmm. and any given Sunday is like. So far on the opposite end of the spectrum where it's like, it's yeah. really stupid. Even the best parts of that movie don't make it any better. I'm never going to yeah. watch it again. And and like you said, it's like Oliver Stone. It's kind of like a fever dream. Like it's it's a football mm-hmm. dream. 
And there's people who like it, which, you know, I, I objectively respect and I get. But for me, it's just it's just too stupid and not there's nothing there for me to, to watch again. Like I wouldn't there's nothing enjoyable for it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, the disparity is pretty huge. But again, like two of the three I could easily recommend. Well, I would say easily recommend with Remember the Titans. Waterboy, you know, it's kind of special. With some, with some to, caveats. Yeah, like you have to, you know, you have to brace yourself for Adam Sandler humor because you either like him or you don't, right? Well, remember yeah, the Titans, I can recommend to anybody, you know, like it's yeah. it's a much easier movie to digest. Yeah, if someone said like Happy Gilmore was like their most hated movie, you probably wouldn't recommend The Waterboy, you know? No. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say that like I'm kind of exactly with Don on all of this. It's also funny that we, the movies we watch have three phases of football, right? So we have Remember the mm-hmm. Titans, which is a high school football. We have Waterboy, which is college football. And then we have Any Given Sunday, which is professional football. So we really needed little giants in there to really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all of them? Yeah. If only we had Bob childhood. here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then um, we could we but, could discuss the the legality of the annexation of Puerto Rico. Exactly. Uh, but I will say, like what Don said to kind of back him up, I do think that like you know, though I picked any given Sunday, a lot of that had to do with because you already picked Remember the Titans. Yeah, and it wasn't a competition. I felt no. like you know Remember the Titans was probably going to get the most love. But I, I did like it because it is very unique and different mm-hmm. than the other two. Uh, I did like that all three of these were all the same subject, football movies, but all very different approaches to showing a football movie. You had slapstick humor, you had over-the-top insanity drama, and then you also then you had like kind of wholesome family fun at the same time. Or wholesome yeah, family and, movie. and it's funny because like I think they're all in the like the top tier or at least the, the most extreme in those little categories. Like, mm-hmm. The Waterboy is probably the silliest uh, football, movie. football movie that's not, a, I guess, that's not, like, a kid's movie or not, like, Airbud, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and no, then you. you have Any Given Sunday, which is by far the most extreme adult drama. Mm-hmm. And then you have Remember the Titans, which is probably, like, the, the top tier of a family drama. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. And it, I had a good time watching all three of them just because of that, because I was getting three very different movies on a subject yeah. that I like. Yeah, I didn't know what yeah. to expect with Any Given Sunday at all, because, you know, I, I hadn't followed it. And then, you know, when I started, I was like, God, this movie is just stupid. And I just kind of like embraced <laughs> how stupid it was. Right. And I yep. just, yeah. you know, I was I was I was playing a game at the same time. So it's perfect. One of those things like to have like I was watching it and you know, it was like a chill game. But yeah. I was like, once you embrace how stupid it is, like you'll mm-hmm. you'll enjoy it. I can't see yeah. myself ever watching it again, though. No, nah, I'm with you. I'm with you. And it really is. Any um, any honorable mentions that did not make this list uh, for football uh, movies? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, mine, I can't think of any others uh, except for Little Giants. Adam Sandler. Um, oh, Longest, Longest Yard. Yard. That's yeah. a good Yard. one. I love Longest Yard. Um, we are Marshall and Rudy. Um, another, another couple that uh-huh. I might have put on this list. I was never uh, a very big Rudy guy, but I, I recognize I it's good. Yeah, we are Marshall. Uh, really I would too underrated. Yeah, it was good. It, that's pretty heavy too. Mm-hmm. Whole team dies. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Except for Matthew Fox. Yeah. Who's got oh, survivors replace, just like Lost. That's one we could mention is the replacements. I actually like that movie. Uh, yep, that was, I was just too. about to mention yeah. the replacements. I like that one a lot. Necessary roughness. Don, if you like the silly Waterboy, maybe you might want to watch that. It's not as good, but because it has, was it, was it Scott Bayo that plays oh, like, uh, in Necessary Roughness with Sinbad 
and I believe it's Scott Bayo. Oh, I'll shout out to uh, it's kind of the opposite for football. It's concussion with Will Smith. That's like oh, the yeah. I, I still have yet to see that. I only saw it once when it came out, and I, I really enjoyed it. But you know, I, I like Will Smith movies. It's it doesn't mm-hmm. paint football in the, in the best light, but you know, yeah. No. Once you get over that, too. it's really good. Yeah. Also, uh, shout out Johnny Utah in uh, Point Break, All American right. quarterback. They have a they have a football scene in that. <laughs> yep, and and though I would never consider it a football movie, uh, I did watch it again recently. Jerry Maguire has some mm-hmm. good football yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rod Tidball is a great football character. Yep. Show me but it's my... it's not really a football movie. It's really kind of like a midlife crisis movie. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. I think that about does it. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts, the listeners. So, Mike, why don't you go ahead and plug that Gmail and whatever uh, else we got. I got this, guys. If you can so, do it. If you can. Yeah. HVGpod at gmail.com hvgpod at gmail.com is our gmail please send us emails we get a couple um every couple weeks and we love reading them uh, i don't always reply to the ones we get uh doesn't mean that i don't like it it's just that like you know some of them aren't really repliable they're just kind of you guys giving our, your thoughts so just know that we do read everything you guys give us um so that's really awesome we also have our on instagram at hvgpod uh hvg podcast i should say and we're on threads and twitter and reddit now so we're all over the place oh, wow um, oh we're on reddit look at that yeah i haven't really wow, we're making it bit other than like create it uh yeah and we're we're really starting to cook on uh instagram now there's we're getting a lot more followers getting a lot more traffic um and our our podcast has been kind of blowing up since then too i mean blowing up you know what blowing up say, but but, <laughs> but you know like we definitely have seen exponential growth in the last couple of weeks um, and we're so we're really thankful for anybody who like isn't our immediate family who's listening to this is really it's really cool. We're really, really happy that other people other than like my cousins and my aunts are listening to this, you know, and uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but I think it's really, really cool that like people who we don't know actually listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Especially when we're getting like international people. It's pretty great. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I got one from Absolutely. Australia. I got one from Brazil yesterday. Uh, that's always really a really neat treat to see. And I don't know who you guys are, but please shout, uh, you know send us emails. Tell us where you're where you're listening from. Uh, tell us like what you started listening, why you started listening to the podcast, what was good. It's always good for us to hear things you like. If there you have suggestions for what you might want to hear on the podcast, categories for movies or types of movies you'd want want to hear us review or talk about, please let us know. Um, we're always open to suggestions. If you want to tell any of the other two hosts how wrong they are about certain opinions, that is also highly recommended. Unless it's about Sky High. No, not, that's especially <laughs> what it's about. <laughs> that and Casino Royale. Oh, man. <laughs> You'll never let it go. No, no, it's it's the running bit at this point. Yeah. So I hope everyone enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoy the upcoming Super Bowl. I sure hope I enjoy the upcoming Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, it should be a good one. 49ers and Chiefs this Sunday, part two. Or last Sunday, or a Sunday three years from now, if you're listening to it then. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe by then we'll we'll just like dub over it and be like, oh, we can't wait to oh, watch yeah. this, next, uh, this next Super Bowl featuring the New York Giants. All right. And with that, Hollywood video guys, we are out.
Trifecta clap, all right. That went a little long. I did not yeah, know it did. Also, 